Welcome to Mintcast, the podcast by the Linux Mint community for all users of Linux. From Backpain Central, it's Joe. Hi, this is Tony, and I'm a world record holder. Yay! Hi, I'm Norbert, but not a beaver. From the land of the CEOs, I'm Nishant. And I'm yet another Josh. Only the third or fourth one, right? <laughs> and slowly fading away, I'm Leo. This is episode 370, recorded on Sunday, September 19th. Livestream information is at mincast.org slash livestream. If you see something you'd like to hear about, tell us. Send us email at mincast at mincast.org. Join us live on YouTube. Post at the Mincast subreddit. Chat with us on Telegram, Discord, Facebook, or post directly at mincast.org. First up in the news, Linux Mint gets a new website, a new point release, Firefox snaps back, Gnome and Plasma get updates, and much more. In security, no encrypted chats are safe. more like the new 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 folks <laughs> yeah the new mint cast the more youthful mint cast if you will that's it Ooh, that's true <laughs> along with the new new and uh younger mint cast crew uh we'll start at the top of the show with linux mint's website have you guys seen it have you gone and taken a look at it got an eyeful Oh, look at this. Yeah, looks look great. Look at this. Yay, it looks beautiful. Yeah, it does look good. Yes, it looks amazing. Yes, if you're on the live stream, you can see this website. If you're not, go head over to linuxmint.com and check it out. If you were one of the very many, many, I was going to say few, but many people that said that the Linux Mint website needed an overhaul because it looked like it was straight out of 1999, well, your wish is Clem's command. He's done it. Go take a look. I think uh, they have... They have skyrocketed 20 years into the future, which lands them today, which makes the website modern, which is actually kind of nice because uh, it needed it. I, I, I was one of the naysayers. It didn't look great. So The download page even looks nice. Yeah. Let's, <laughs> let, let, me see, let me see. You said download page. Let's click on the download page. Look at this. Ready to download. You know, this reminds me. You know what this reminds me of? This reminds me of the Solus download page where flagship Number one, obviously, that's what you want. And then descriptions of the other uh, uh, the other editions, the Mate edition, the XFCE edition. Man, it looks good. You know what's funny, though, is that those screenshots, they look identical, man. Every single one of them looks the same. It kind of pains me to say, but the website now might look even mod more modern than the desktop itself. Ooh! Uh-oh. Oh. I like that, though. No, um, no, I, no I, I really come to like me looks mint. My only problem is that I don't really like the default icon set that much on mint, but... Everything else is great. Uh, okay, I agree with you. I go straight to Papyrus. I go straight to Papyrus. That's the first thing I install. Swap that out, and then I'm I'm good to go. Uh, I'll stick with the Mint Y. I think I go dark blue, and that uh, do that all the way down the thing with Papyrus icons, and I'm happy. I also like how they have uh, little descriptions for each uh, edition because that was the mm -hmm. one thing that I think the website was really lacking. Also, yes. have you guys seen the FAQ section? Uh-oh, where? So, so um, nice. Under About. Under About, mm. FAQ. Ooh. It's very clean and straightforward. Yeah, and it, it's 
it's very sleek and it doesn't have a lot of junk that you don't care about. You just mm. click on the question you care about. Yeah, and uh, open. click, click on can I use Linux Mint for commercial purpose? Oh, and it yes, says, ah, yes, <laughs> that's fantastic. Ah, uh, just straight to the point. There's, there's no fluff here. Yes, I love that. So that's fantastic. Um, man, it just looks good. It looks good. All right. Well, go take a look at it if you haven't. There's really not a whole lot of uh, news as far as that goes, other than I mean. It's live. It's there. Go check it, it out. It looks pretty. It does. So next up, we have an unscheduled Ubuntu 18.04.6 point release. I don't think we've ever seen a point six release, to my knowledge. We may have, but um, they don't happen often, at the very least. So the story behind this is this point release is meant to fix the issue of revoked keys in Ubuntu 18.04.5 and earlier. So if you remember... A while back, we had a show in the security update section about boot hole, which was a flaw that allowed you to essentially take over Grub or even just fully replace Grub with whatever you wanted to run at boot before the kernel ever takes over, before any of that stuff ever happens. So the downside to this is that you can uh, place in your own keys to make it boot anything that you want it to, essentially. Um so this point six release is meant to patch that particular flaw. And we've got, um, if you don't remember the boot hole security update, we've got the link to the, uh, the article that we used for that. And it kind of goes into the whole thing, but that's essentially it, right? They can take over Grub. Uh, well, some malicious actor can take over Grub and do that. So dot six, that's what this is about. Um, it doesn't affect the 20 dot series, only the 18 series. So, um, if you're still deploying 1804, uh, you'll need this new ISO because it will have the keys baked in. Everything else is fine. Anybody still deploying 1804? Y'all still using it? Anybody? I'm not sure. Uh, we have a lot no. bunch of 1804 uh, uh, computers at my university, though. So. Ah, so they won't. Okay, so hey, actually, good thing they won't be affected because they'll just run updates and they'll get the new keys installed and everything else. If they're deploying new ones, though. They'll need the new ISO. So if you hear somebody grumbling in the hallways about this new 1804 thing, it's not deploying anymore and they don't know why, it won't boot, secure boot, something, something, something. Yeah, that's that's why. I, I say I'm not using 1804, but technically I am because uh-huh. I'm on 19, I'm on mint 19.3. Oh. Which right. is based on 1804. So that might force a Linux Mint ISO refresh as well because the same keys would be on the Linux Mint ISO. Hmm, I didn't think about that angle before I came into this. So, um, huh, pay attention. We might hear something from the Lynchment folks, and I'll go digging. I might find something. All right, next up is uh, everybody's favorite, more snaps. Firefox is snapped now, and it's by default in Ubuntu 21.10 and beyond. Now, in the flavors, 21.10 will not get the snap. However, the flavors will sport the snap, in 2204 so we've heard this before why does this why does this story sound so so familiar well it's chrome chrome again isn't it mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. as ubuntu uh, snapped up chromium they're doing the same thing now with mozilla but they're probably doing it for exactly the same reason mm-hmm. uh, in the long run it's going to be easier to support long-term releases that then get extended five-year support for commercial use right it'll make it easier to give a secure browser with firefox exactly so i i guess one of the things that is going to come 
is the inevitable backlash of people that don't like snaps are going to straight up say, you know, I'm not going to use Ubuntu anymore because of this. But there's a difference here. I don't think the Chromium project themselves asked Ubuntu to snap it up. uh, Ubuntu just snapped it up because it was going to reduce their effort in having to distribute it, right? Well, Mozilla did ask Ubuntu to snap this up and allow them to update via the snap. So the, the... the conversation will be colored a little bit differently this time because it's it's vendor specific. It's coming from the vendor that they want this. So what do y'all think? Uh, does anybody actually use Ubuntu like Ubuntu proper? No, I'm Ubuntu so, Mate. So what? So what do you what do you feel about this? Uh, so in twenty two oh four, if you continue using Ubuntu Mate, you're going to get the Mozilla Snap instead of the Mozilla Deb. They just will not have it anymore. What do you think about that? Well, what I do is, uh, like, for example, Spotify does not have a dev, like, dev file or a snap file. So I go to the internet. There's a packages website, packages.org, and I just download the dev from there. I don't use snap either way. So it does not matter much. So it's not an official dev. It's just a dev that, uh, I guess a group has put together. You said packages.org? Yes, uh, it's not a group. It will be like listed according to the Ubuntu version, 21.10, 20.10, like that. Uh, let if me just can... share the link. Give me one. Yeah, link. please do. Nishant, can you put that in the check this out section? Oh, yeah, please do. But Debian themselves uh, use, have a Firefox release, don't they? So Because they use an extended support one. Right. So if you want the ESR version... um. Yeah, Firefox does ESR though, and I I don't know, I don't know. Does anybody seek out the ESR? I know I certainly don't. Well, there must be some way of getting the Deb. If it, if it's in Debian, there must be some way of getting the Deb for the ESR. Well, the oh, getting the yeah. So Firefox does distribute it just like uh, Thunderbird does, where they'll give you a targz with the Firefox binary in it. You just go, you know, drop it in opt or something like that, and it'll work just fine. But you've got to manually handle it. Uh, whereas, yeah. well, actually, no, I take that back. I think Firefox does have uh, update bits within opt so long as the user running it has the permissions to change that in opt. So it, it you can work around it, uh, especially if you just want to be on Ubuntu but you don't want the snap. There's no choice uh, going beyond 21.10. So um, you can work around it. Uh, there's also a flat pack version of Firefox if you just... if. If it's not the packaging, it's the snap that that um, discourages you from using it. Uh, Flatpak does have one as well, so you've got options at least. Cool. So the I guess the elephant in the room, right, is what is Linux Mint going to do about this? Ha! <laughs> Nothing. They've always compiled their own Firefox. So you, as a Linux Mint user, do absolutely nothing, and absolutely nothing will change. So you're good. So next up, GNOME 41 RC1 out. So the, 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 the cool thing about this is that uh, we're seeing it being released on September 22nd, right? So assuming everything goes smoothly, um, that'll mean, yeah, the, the, the day that you are hearing this, GNOME is probably released. My, my favorite thing uh, about this release is that the balance profile settings, right? So if you've ever run Pop! OS 21, well, actually, just any Pop! OS, right, since 24. 2004. Yeah, speaking of can't, I can't version number right now. So you have seen where you click on the right-hand side, you get that uh, huge settings thing pop down, and you get uh, power save mode, balanced mode, and high performance mode. That is coming to GNOME 41 uh, to everybody. 
Yes, that's right, Leo. That's what that's what we all wanted actually in the normal ah. gnome. It's a feature request to the devs. Yes, yeah, and now we only need uh, tray icons in the top panel. Also, there's going to be a new uh, multitasking section in the settings menu where you can uh, yes. turn on and off hot corners and uh, window snapping uh, to the edges of the screen. Yeah, so I've got this up on the live stream now and hot corners. So uh, so I, I had thought that GNOME had supported hot corners uh, out of the box, but that's not the case? Yeah, I think it was only in the Tweaks app. And I think I've always read about some other things that were only available in Tweaks, but now are coming to the regular ground settings. You will be also able to toggle uh, dynamic workspaces and... And I see in uh, in that multitasking pane in settings, you get... Uh, so we talked about the hot corners. You get dragged screen edges as well. So um, this is the snap thing, right? Where you hit the left-hand side and it make makes it big, right? Like takes up half the screen. That's that thing? Yes. Uh, yeah, I think we can call that... A- some form of window tiling. I'm not sure if it's yeah. also affecting the the keyboard shortcuts when you press super left, right, and up to resize right. the windows. But at least it uh, at least it you can enable and disable the uh, dragging windows to the edges via the mouse. That's pretty cool. So yeah, a lot of the things that came out of GNOME tweaks are now being part uh, being added directly to GNOME, which is, I mean, it, that's what everybody's been asking for forever. Um, Leo, the thing which you said, like hot corners, was an extension, GNOME extension, not GNOME oh. tweak. Oh, it's. I mean, it's just baked into Linux Mint, so I, I, I take it for granted that I don't have to do anything to enable those things, other than you know decide what each corner does, or you know nothing, I guess. Um, because uh, to be really honest, I started learning tweaking by using GNOME, like yeah, do all these extension things, so not difficult but yeah right these these are the most requested features which we are discussing about that's that's fantastic though i mean i'm i'm glad that this stuff is coming to gnome because i know that people have been uh complaining about not having enough functionality in gnome uh as things kind of just fade away and fade away and it's, it's glad that, i'm glad to see that they're they're coming back so some yeah. other bits the last little bits are calendar now supports ics so if you have these ics files that you can import all your calendar things uh calculator got a whole new overhaul and it doesn't look like GNOME 41 is going to land in Fedora 35 or Ubuntu. However, Fedora is still trying. They have uh, GNOME 41 test days for Fedora 35. So I don't know, but we might see it in Fedora 35. We, could, we'll, we might be able to try it out outside of the GNOME OS that they distribute. Uh, it is under testing. That's right. I'm going to participate in the GNOME 41 RC testing. Awesome. Yeah, let us know how 41 works out. Uh, In the Rawhide, if you download the Fedora Rawhide, you will get GNOME 41. Sweet. All right. So we'll move on to KDE Plasma as well. What's that? Yeah, I would just really be happy to to one day see the entire GNOME tweaks menu baked baked into the GNOME settings. It seems like that's what they're going for. I, I I would be happy to see that as well. There's so much in GNOME tweaks that that are just good, nice it, for anybody that wants to change up how GNOME behaves. Or at least have GNOME tweaks uh, installed, in, being included in the GNOME uh, group. Like, for example, when yep. you install Debian GNOME, you get tweaks by default. That would be nice. That would be nice. But it seems like they're trying to just add it to settings instead of letting it be a separate application. And I'd be fine with either, to be honest. 
If it's there, it's there. So KDE Plasma, their anniversary edition, 5.23, their beta is out. So just some quick updates on this where you're looking at Breeze theme improvements and overhaul to address performance and ability uh, accessibility of kickoff. And kickoff is that um, the menu that you get when you click on the KDE icon down in the bottom uh, to launch your application, shut down, all that kind of stuff. So that is getting... Um, Oh, that, that is landing in this particular version. And then, of course, lots of Wayland improvements as well. So screen monitoring, monitoring. I wrote this and I laughed to myself because it's exactly what this is. Um, if you're running OBS and you start monitoring the screen, there will be a notification up in the tray or down in the tray or over there in the tray, wherever your tray is, uh, because Wayland uh, or because Plasma doesn't care where you put your tray. Um, it will tell you that a... Uh, screen monitoring software is running and let you know what that is. So screen monitor, monitor. And that also includes dragging and dropping from Wayland to X Wayland applications. Uh, so Plasma Wayland support is getting a huge bit of love in this particular edition. So if you're running on something like uh, KDE Neon or possibly even Arch or Manjaro or something like that, you're going to get these updates and see how this is going um, if you opt in. So, yeah, you'll be seeing it pretty soon. Good time to spin up an install of KDE Neon, I guess. Yes, and just wait for that to come down. I think I might do the same thing. So, I mean, a bit speaking of... of mon Go ahead. Sorry. I'm in a bit of a love-hate relationship with uh, Plasma. I've been trying to get into it in the past weeks. Uh, but there's something... I, I do recognize the potential and all the options in there. But something just doesn't really click with me. With plasma, yeah, there there's some things that I have to tweak, like the uh, the animation speed. I have to I have to crank that up a little bit for it to feel more natural. But I always do feel like um, while plasma is one of my favorite desktop environments, one of the big things that I really dislike about it is that it seems like there's some lag there. So yeah, updates. I think the performance of the uh, 5.23 is really going to help out with that. But I'll test and we'll see how this goes. But speaking of Manjaro, the Manjaro Community Edition, Cinnamon Community Edition, ships Vivaldi by default now. So they won't be affected by the Firefox snap, nor should they. But um, what do y'all think about Vivaldi replacing Firefox in the Cinnamon Edition? I have never used Vivaldi, so can't comment at the moment. But we'll try it and let you know. I can't imagine this will be controversial at all. Right. <laughs> <laughs> There'll be people that wail about it, but you can always uh, go and install another browser. Yeah, if, if you're it, it's not massive. If you're installing Manjaro, I feel like you're you're capable of going to their little software shop yeah. and installing Firefox if that's what you want. But um, or or even Chrome. <sighs> okay, no, not even I will go Shock that far. Horror. I will not go that far. Not ever. <laughs> oh, and you forgot the Arc repositories in Manjaro. Where you can install Firefox. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I always use whatever stock browser there is to go and immediately install Chrome. <laughs> Silence. Yeah, no, no, no. Well, so that that's it. I mean, that that's the whole news story. Uh, Vivaldi and Manjaro Community Edition Cinnamon have uh, entered into a partnership, and it seems like through an interview on Destination Linux that the... Uh, 
president CEO? I cannot remember his title, but the guy, the Vivaldi guy, um, has said that he's looking to expand to the rest of Manjaro as well. So this might be a change that you see kind of one at a time, just looking at that backlash, right? Because I feel like this smacks a lot of the whole, uh, the what is it, the LibreOffice thing where they swapped it out for the proprietary solution and then everybody got upset. So then they just dropped it down to a choice. That might be what happens here. But it seems like it's going ahead strong. The I, I guess the big thing that people will complain about is that there's 5% of the Vivaldi code base that is closed ooh, and it's the uh, it's the vivaldi bits it's the bits that make it look like vivaldi that's what's closed source but it's only like five percent right so it shouldn't matter much well i don't know for purists it'll matter even 0.0001 percent matters but um i think overall in general i mean if if you're even considering using chrome then this shouldn't have any effect on you at all it's a non it's a non-story i think so <laughs> I think it would make a lot of sense for Manjaro to have those uh, options, those checkboxes in the installer, like, for example, Arco Linux does, where you can choose mm-hmm. between various browsers and office suites and even file managers. Yeah, it doesn't seem like the backlash is nearly as strong as the as the office suite backlash, so I don't know that they'll do it. But, uh, I mean, if they do get, if, if things do start to ramp up, I would say, yeah, that's the easy way to do it. Make it a choice. Speaking of Office Suites, can I just give a quick shout out to LibreOffice? Listen, try, I re- uh, recently I discovered that you can change the menu bars to a more Microsoft Office-like uh, ribbon style. Yeah, they did the ribbon thing. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty cool. So the next story, we'll go through these last couple really quickly. Steam makes fixes to the Linux client and compatibility. So there were a few different things. Um, there was a regression that uh, that caused too many open file handle errors during downloads of some games. So this would just fill up your logs and look terrible. Uh, that was fixed. The library pinning process is significantly faster at startup. So, um, yeah, to get to your easy stuff, get to your stuff faster. Uh, restore compatibility with NixOS. I didn't know they broke that, but uh, apparently NixOS is re-supported again. And make user share NVIDIA, that directory, available to the container if using the NVIDIA proprietary driver so that app-specific profiles can be applied. So this this leads to better performance in some games, which is fantastic. So yay, more Steam stuff. Speaking of proprietary stuff, right? No one that uh, objects to the 5% of Vivaldi would ever install Steam, right? Right, right. <laughs> or, or installs. No, never, never. Or never. those five percent would install it on Windows only. Uh, maybe so. And uh, some more updates in the kernel five point fifteen. Uh, you get NTFS and SMB three support. Better NTFS and SMB three support. Um, so S, uh, NTFS three driver uh, by Paragon Software has been merged, and this is just going to give you better performance because before you were using the Fuse module. Uh, that was not that was in user space. Now you're getting kernel level support for NTFS, which should translate to better performance with any file system or in any NTFS on Linux file system. So that's going to be fantastic. So was that that fix in the kernel? Has that been um, uploaded by um, Microsoft? Is that one of the benefits of some of the work Microsoft have been doing recently on Linux? No. Oh, no. They they wouldn't directly support us that well. This is by Paragon Software. <laughs> so, uh, but, but they've been doing a lot of NTFS work over, um, over the past couple of years. So uh, it is, it is, this is what they do, essentially. 
Leo, Microsoft Hearts Linux. Come on. I, oh no, they they no, they totally do. Even on that Azure thing that I'm not going to cover today because it. Oh. Not to be believed in, Tony. Not to be believed in. <laughs> they they heart Linux as much as they can make money off of them. So I mean, it's true. They're not lying. There's just limits to that. Sorry to interrupt. Is it the NTFS? Go ahead. No, go ahead. Today I was installing 5.14.6 on Ubuntu Mate. Was it the NTFS dash 3G? No, NTFS uh, 3G is the fuse module. So you haven't seen the performance increases just yet. If you get on 5.15, though, when that does roll out, I think it's um, it's not out yet, is it? It's on RC1 last day. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Right, 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 right. So, um, yeah, when that actually rolls out and you can grab that, or I mean, if you want to test on the RCs, you'll get that support. You won't need in TFS 3G anymore. Oh, okay. Because I was confused because we have been discussing this NTFS support since the last Saturday's show. Ah, so yeah. That's it's coming. Yeah, coming, but not here yet. 3G will hold you over until then. Uh, SMBV3 by Samsung. So Samsung has been doing a lot of this uh, same type of work, and they've created the KSMBD uh, kernel module that's now just baked right in. This is going to focus only on the transfer protocol itself. So they're not trying to go up against Samba. Samba will still be the implementation of how you deal with all of this. SMB3, though, is going to be underneath all of that doing those transfers. So, again, another bit of performance increase on Windows-based stuff, which is pretty good over here in Linux land. So, if it's Sony, will it increase Linux's performance on consoles where they have tried to run it? It's Samsung, and I don't know. So... Uh, if if they use this kernel, if they are getting on 5.15, then I, they, they would just get these performance increases for free. So, yes? Question mark? <laughs> because I have, from what I read, uh, Sony's PS3 can be can run Linux. Ah. Okay. I share it, uh, like, after the show, I'll share it. Okay, cool. Cool. Very cool. So, that's why I was asking, since you said it's Sony's contribution Samsung. to Linux. Oh, Samsung. Yeah, so this might make it into the phones if uh, Android does uh, pump up their kernel or if Samsung does that out of band. That would be nice. But uh, Android is planning to pump up its kernel to the whatever is the latest when 12 rolls out. So we'll see how that goes. Do you mean NTFS and support then, uh, as well? Last couple of... Oh, go ahead. You mean NTFS support as well in Android? Depends, uh, depends on what version it's on. It'll be baked into the kernel. Yeah, well, it'll I, be baked I don't... into the kernel, so it'll be there. I don't know if they'll actually take advantage of it, though. But, uh, I mean, someone with enough experience can just pop in a Windows share. I don't see why that wouldn't be possible anyway. But I don't know much about Paragon Software, but I do know that I have you. I have been using there. They have a app in the Play Store for Android that can, through which you can get to NTFS support and support for various other file systems on Android, but it's not free. As in, ah. as in, uh, you have to pay separately for each uh, file system. Oh, ew. Oh, well, that's that's certainly a way to make more money. <laughs> or you can just pay for everything in a bundle. Well, I, I guess, um, yeah, you might want to pay for them a little bit more now because EXT4, XFS, and ButterFS all get improvements in kernel 5.15. So if Android ever gets to that point, uh, that company might be making a little extra money. But it is supported in the kernel, so if you've got a terminal, you might be able to just work around that. So we'll wrap that up. And then the last little bit of news that we have is some sad news. 
And that's yeah, yeah. Tony, Tony, are you going to announce this for yeah. us? Because I don't want to say. A Ubuntu it. podcast is going to end after fourteen seasons. They're not even completing the season. They're going to end in the end of September. Uh. So the next the next two shows will be the last two shows of Ubuntu podcast. Yeah, formerly Ubuntu UK podcast, mm-hmm. but now calls Ubuntu podcast. But the good news is, if you want your fix of Ubuntu podcast, go on to YouTube. And you can find nearly every episode they've ever recorded. Yeah, yeah. I won't say every episode because seasons one to seven, there's a couple of episodes that are missing, but the rest of them are there. And if you just want the audio files for seasons eight onwards, they're on the Ubuntu uh, podcast website. Yeah, sad times, but uh, congratulations to those guys. They've hung in there for a very long time. Absolutely. Wish them well. And I have a feeling. I have a feeling. The podcast is just going to get their name changed. <laughs> We're going to see another podcast brought up with the same guys doing the same thing uh, sometime in the future, or at least one or two of them, right? I hope Mintcast goes more than that eight seasons. How long have we been going? Uh, it's been it's been 370 episodes. Yeah, we're catching up. We're catching up. Oh, no, we're, we're, we're 13 years now. It was ten year. It was ten years just after we joined, wasn't it? So I leave that to you guys to uh, continue on <laughs> past fourteen seasons, so we can say we're one of the longest running podcasts ever. Yeah, we don't have seasons. We just plug yeah, we, along. yeah, we, yeah. We don't take <laughs> breaks. What's a break? We don't do that. We just go. Don't worry, Leo. I'll make sure th- uh, Mintcast goes above thousand episodes. Yes. Oh yes. I'll keep listening. Now the guys aren't recording a, a show every two weeks, they, they might be free to come and join us <gasps> on a Sunday night hey, occasionally. Now that could be fun. <laughs> All right. Guest, guest hosts. I love it when we get other podcasters on. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. Well, that'll do it for the news. And let's head down to the security update. The chats are broken. They're all broken. Every single one of them. Just stop chatting. That's the easy way to do it. Uh, just get offline, stay offline, go outside, get some sun, vitamin D, all that kind of good stuff, and just never talk to anybody online ever again. And uh, you'll be safe. Uh, but that's not going to happen, right? No one will do any of that. So what am I talking about? There's a couple of things. Number one, which is one that I would assume more open source advocates are on than any other, which is... Matrix. On August 23rd, there was identified a bug in the verification mechanism of Matrix.js SDK, which didn't sufficiently verify new devices accessing an account, which then allowed unauthorized users to take over and handle the encryption keys, which is kind of the thing that's super important in encrypted messaging systems, right? That yes, one. WhatsApp. That yeah, that one is um mm. so Dennis Kasak, I'm hoping I get that right. Elements uh security researcher figured this one out, so that's a good thing because it was found out internally before we ever identified any of this happening in the wild. But it's always a wise choice to periodically view all allowed devices on your account. Go to settings, check it out, see the devices. They, ha- they each have unique codes. Verify that each of those codes match up to your device. Don't just eyeball it. Just, just actually go look. And 
you can revoke any of the ones that look not right. And if you're super paranoid, revoke all of them and then just re-add them back. It takes like 10 seconds each. It's not that big of a deal, but it's way better than having your account stolen. So how bad is this? Eh, not too bad. It's not too bad. Because on top of the ability of this uh, particular SDK uh, to, I don't know, give people the keys to the kingdom, so to speak, right? Um, you, got, you also have to have access to a user's username and password. So it's a two-step kind of thing. If you've somehow fished that information out of a user, you can leverage this particular flaw if their applications are not updated to take over an account. So by now, if you just let these softwares handle themselves, you're likely already updated. But if you haven't done that yet, go make sure to run your updates on any matrix chat that you use, any application, Element, Fluffy Chat, Neko. There's a few more. So go update them if you haven't, if you've just been letting it sit in the back for a little while. Go push that button. Yeah, as we always say, it doesn't matter what device you're running, updates are important. Yeah, and so this this doesn't... Whatever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and this isn't just on Linux, by the way. So go do this on iOS, go do this on Android, go do this on Windows, go do this on any platform you're running any of these applications on. They are all vulnerable to this. Go update your matrix stuff. And while you're at it, update all your security on everything well, as well. Well, you might as well. I mean, if you're going to go update one thing, <laughs> yeah. you might as well just go update all the things, yeah. right? Just go find all the security ones and make them go. That's that's a good, wise choice. But one thing that you cannot update away from is WhatsApp. If you are in the Facebook bubble, you very likely use WhatsApp. And it's not like we didn't see this coming, right? Um, because... When you open up a chat, the first thing it says is no one outside of this chat, not even WhatsApp, can read or listen to them. Except that's not quite true. <laughs> Nishan, what were you going to say? I suspected them the moment Facebook bought WhatsApp. Yep, that, that, that was exactly my take on it. And my brother was like saying, don't expect it to be secure. Don't expect your data to be secure, especially with Facebook around. Yeah. And that seems to be the case, but okay, so th this is a pretty egregious story. However, it's not as bad, unless we learn more, unless there's more that comes out. It's not as bad as I initially thought. Um, all right, so their tagline, right, again, is no one outside of this chat, not even WhatsApp, can read or listen to them. And this is coming off of the, I, I think it became a story mostly because we're coming off of the Proton Mail thing where they, um, were forced by the Swiss government to log IP addresses of a French um, whistleblower, and that that person ended up in jail. So, um, why couldn't they just like say no to the government? Because then they would be shut down, and Proton Mail would no longer exist. So, but you can't you can't just go up against the government that is allowing you to operate in the first place. Um, I mean, if it were in America, it'd be the same way. I would imagine in any country, it would be the same way. I mean, if it goes up to the highest courts in the land and they say, give us the data, you don't have a choice. Otherwise, um, I, I don't know exactly what would happen to your corporation, but I... They didn't, they didn't just give that information away. They had a court right. order that inf said that but they had to give that information. One example I can give where this did not happen, Apple. 
when FBI asked Apple to give data on terrorists from the iPhone. Oh, well, okay. So there's a difference here. And so here's the thing. Proton Mail did not give any emails to anybody. Only okay. metadata. So it was only um access logs that Proton Mail could give to anybody. They did give the answer of well, we don't have that data. And so the next best thing was, well, give us metadata. Give us data about the data. And then they used that to go ahead. And I guarantee you, Apple would do the same exact thing. Hey, that stuff is encrypted. I don't know. And then we had the conversation about CSAM as well, where they're doing the um the exploitation stuff, where they're gonna be scanning that on your device now, where they put that on hold for a little while. And but you know they're just waiting for the fur to die down and then they'll just implement it. That's how that's going to go. Oh, okay. I would imagine. So basically, Apple denied giving personal data of the user in that case. As far as I well, I don't know. I would have to look at that particular instance. But as far as I remember, I don't think Apple ever gave actual encrypted data to anybody. But I don't see why they wouldn't. Uh, I mean, if if the FBI could prove that there was something that they needed out of uh, out of an encrypted thing, if it's on the cloud, they I, they likely have the keys. So okay, mm, I don't know. We'll see how that how it all plays out. But WhatsApp. So the, the the deal with WhatsApp is basically if a user flags a message that they get, that message is then decrypted with the user's keys and sent to a group at WhatsApp that will verify the validity of the flag. So. If you say, you know, it was an unsolicited explicit picture, you flag it, someone looks at it, and then takes action on that. All I have to say is if you're at WhatsApp looking at those pictures, man, I am sorry. <laughs> uh, there goes my communication with my best friend. She yeah. Well, but again, it's only if she were to flag a message that anybody would be able to review it outside of you or her. So... Yeah, yeah, I guess. If you're flagging each other's messages all the time, then yeah. Okay. Wait, you can flag messages on WhatsApp? That's me. Okay. It's, it's um. I think it's basically just saying, uh, you know, this is spam. This is exploitation. This is explicit, whatever. So if that gets flagged, it gets, it gets pumped up. Someone looks at it. Anyway, nothing that we didn't know before, I don't think. Anyway, well, that'll do it for the security update. And for the amount that you guys are swirling your fingers, uh, we're not doing too terribly bad. <laughs> and and guess no, what? No, actually, we do. We're doing all right. Guess we're what? My biweekly right. wanderings will take about a whole four minutes. So we'll see. We'll see how long Joe's five to eight minutes actually is. So speaking of, let's head down to the biweekly wanderings. Oh, you're going to make me slow this way down. So, Joe, I'm starting the clock right now. <laughs> right now. Okay, well, a couple hours yesterday, uh, I did some cooking, and I, and I let everybody watch while I was cooking. It seemed like everybody enjoyed that, so... There were some flexes to be had as well? Uh, well hey, you asked to see my muscles. That's <laughs> Listen, what it was. I will neither confirm hey, nor deny that that happened. Uh, I heard it. Okay, anyways... <laughs> um, well, um, over the last couple of weeks, I, I did a fix on a micro USB port on a backup battery, and I found out that the battery actually uses 18650 batteries for its power source. The good thing about that is it means if it ever dies in the future, I can easily replace that battery. Um, I also, I, I guess this is considered micro soldering, but I've always just, you know, considered it soldering. So... 
it's fun to replace those ports. Um, it just makes also, it sound more difficult if you say micro soldering. You make it yeah, seem like you got to have like three sets of magnifying glasses going down to the thing, right. and then you're like, <laughs> "Well, I, I I need a hot air gun is what I need, and that'll make it a whole lot easier." And I'm I'm just doing it with the, uh, the Joe. Just blow on it. You're full of hot air. Tiny tip on the uh, the soldering iron. Um, <clears throat> yes, I'm ignoring you actively now. <laughs> Um, I, I did a full cross band cable replacement on a pair of hash threes that also have 3d printed replacement hinges and the bracket that holds the whole thing together. Um, wonder how long it'll be before all the stock parts are replaced. Uh, the, the cable had become frayed and finally broke after a couple of years of my daughter using it. Uh, the replacement went well enough, but it, it's difficult to get the padding reseated the way that it was before. That was the only major problem I had with it. Um, I will be doing this type of fix again in the future. I probably should have recorded it and put it on YouTube, but at the time I was just doing it for stress relief. Um, right afterwards though, listener Dustin turned around and bought them. So I need to get them shipped out tomorrow. Um, my son, who's been listening to a lot of audiobooks lately, does a lot better with single-sided headphones than he does dual-sided headphones. So I took a couple of headphones from the collection with broken hinges, and instead of designing a new hinge, because they're not the normal ones where I can just go and download and, uh, something to 3D print and fix them... Um, I converted them to mono and 3D designed and 3D printed a head pad for them. Uh, he seems to like them, but the, the headset that I did it with also uses a proprietary cable. And it looks like you cannot get that cable from the secondary market. So um, I added a cable to them the hard way. Uh, it's the cable I added is a little bit shorter and than I would like for a headphone of my own but it works well for him. Um, the new cable I was able to attach directly to the connector pins that were there for the 3.5 millimeter jack that was on the inside. Um, and it worked really well. Um, if I get a longer cable in the future, I'll probably do a swap. I should also mention that with the um, conversion from stereo to mono, the hardware conversion, you will get some devices that simply will not hook up properly to those headphones. So I might have to find a different solution there. Um, I, I picked up some DIY replacement micro USB plugs to help fix some cables because that's always what goes out on my really nice, really long cables is the connector on the end. And then on the uh, Pine 64... Uh, I tried, tried Manjaro Fosh, and it, it was honestly terrible. The UI was terrible. Uh -huh. um, you can still load applications from the terminal, like with the Plasma version, but it takes a lot longer for any application to load. And while Anbox loads, um, there is an error with uh, it using the keyboard on the device, so I can't actually like look up a new application to install in F-Droid. And it takes just anything in there takes like super long to load. I cannot express how long it takes anything to load using Fosh. Honestly, if I had tried Manjaro Fosh before I tried uh, Manjaro Plasma, I'd have given up on Manjaro entirely on that phone. Um, 
I did find a couple of interesting items on Facebook Marketplace. I got four one terabyte external um, USB 3.0 drives for $80 total. I'm going to use them on my Raspberry Pi 4 builds going forward. And I was also able to find a five bay raid tower that works over eSATA for 20 bucks. Um, I think the max hard drive size for it is four terabytes, so a max of 20 terabytes total. But if I can get the drives at a good price, it, it'll it'll still be worth it to me to use that, especially, you know, considering that I got the tower for 20 bucks. Um, work is asking me to use some of my vacation days because I've got like more than four weeks of vacation saved up. So uh, not this upcoming week, but the following week, I will be on vacation and this will hopefully allow me to get time to get my garage in better order again and take apart my computer and put it back together after a couple of hardware changes and uh, deep cleaning. Yay. And that the hardware changes will be moving around those hard drives. So the eight terabyte drive will go from the other um, external hard drive enclosure that I have to the internal and then I'll probably pull the two terabyte that's in there and maybe the four terabyte that's in there and put the other um, two terabyte in that raid tower as well. Um, work is also heavily pushing for return to office. I do like the idea, but because of uh, safety concerns, I may have to put it off for a while. And then today, like right before the show, I, I read a really interesting article on the history of air defense artillery. And it was really kind of weird to read history like that and, and remember it because I was there at, at the same time. So, yeah, that that's what I've been up to the last couple of weeks. Time. Uh, <laughs> despite Leo's ch uh, t trying to extend your uh, talking, you managed to come in under time. Oh, well, well, how much time did Yay! I use? Congratulations, Joe. It's you the first time. Oh, yeah. Seven uh -huh. minutes instead of eight. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> so, yay. so wow. So, Joe, you won't be there for Leo's farewell episode? Oh, I'll be there. Oh, I'll be there because I'll be, you know, main hosting. Yeah, yeah. All right. Oh, cool. okay. As a matter of fact, I think I'm supposed to be taking over the, the hosting duties on the on the next show with uh, yeah. Leo there so that he can, you know, help help push where I need it. That's it. And I think I did, uh, I think I did the math wrong. Um Right, because the next yeah. episode. I thought it was did next, I next was episode, two seventy one, or three seventy one. Yeah, yeah. You said you were going to be on two seventy one. Three seventy one. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I will definitely be on three seventy one. Three seventy one. Three seventy one. Three seventy two will be the first one without me. Oh, mm. sad. No, time. wasn't wasn't it like three seventy two? I know. That's what I'm episode? saying. I, I think I made a mistake. Uh, I I think I said well. Number one, I said two seventy two. Uh, that was wrong. Uh, Moss corrected me there. But um, I don't know now. Now I have to remember. Uh, I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> okay. A I'll definitely be there for, I'll definitely be there for 371. Please do 372 also. And then one, ep one episode. One episode extra. I, I insist. Uh, 
I, I still have to talk to Joe Rez because the more I get him on, the more you'll be back on. Right. Because, yeah, because I, uh, I did the math on it, right? Because uh, I said I was going to end up being tied with Joe Ressington at uh, 78 episodes, and 76 episodes was, was the last episode. So 270 or 370 makes uh, 77, and 371 makes 78. So that'll tie us, and that's where I was planning. So uh, yeah, we'll see how we'll see how how it goes. Anyway, okay. so to hear from one of the new folks, uh, Nishant, how's it going? What's been going on with you for the past couple of weeks? Uh, lots of KBM running and Formula One races. Oh, that's okay. So you watch the racing? I see. Yes. Uh, so coming to KBM, I was testing it on Fedora and Ubuntu based distros and one thing i found out that they run faster on debian based which is ubuntu and pop os compared to fedora that was the first observation really so um yes. was it just a feeling of that they felt faster or yeah on pop os it was like much smoother kvm running wow i wonder why and, that is and with pop os it was a customized zanmod 5.14 kernel Ah, okay, okay. And on Fedora, though, I would assume it was just a regular kernel. Yeah, the mainline kernel, 5.15 RC1. So you, do you suppose it's the Zanmod kernel that made those performance increases, or was it something else? It was like uh, KVM was like interfacing with Ubuntu-based distros much better compared to Red Hat-based like Fedora. Pretty cool. But fe- one advantage was that Fedora had it enabled by default, the virtual oh, machine. True. And coming to Formula One races, this season has been the most exciting so far, with Mercedes being challenged by Red Bull team on this occasion. So Belgium was a total washout due to rain. So they did they did two laps of the circuit and they awarded half points. Uh, Monza, the two championship contenders, knocked themselves out on lap 26. And McLaren won for the first time in 11 years. And uh, I have been show hopping a lot just before the yeah, show. I've, I've noticed. <laughs> just before the show, I had Garuda on. It was too flashy. And then I went to, back to Ubuntu Matt. And That's a good also, choice. Maybe you're on the wrong show. Maybe you should be on Distro Hoppers. <laughs> For as many as you do, that, yeah, you might be but able to hey, contribute hey, over there. Mint has Matty in case you remember. Yep, absolutely. Um, I'm a cinnamon guy myself, but uh, if uh, if I'm running something that is a little bit lower powered, I would probably go Mate myself. No, actually, it's about the AMD performance, battery life wise, on Ubuntu. Oh, Mate. that's right. You were saying that uh, Mate got the uh, the power things in the in the corner as well. Yes, and that on five point one one kernel, five point one four yet to get the optimization from Ubuntu team Very for the cool. Mate flavor. So expected to be in 21.10 or 22.04 version of Mate. Nice. And I'm looking for a, either a SSD to upgrade the storage, like 800 Linux, 200 Windows, like majority mm-hmm. of them to Linux. Uh, I don't know. I'm still confused to go, whether to go for Samsung or not. Yeah, I'd I'd say go ahead and do it. Um, it was only a few models. Just stay away from the 970 line. I think is really going to be where the 970 line was where they changed the controller, where you got uh, worse speeds after about 140 gigs written. You know, once you run out of cash. So 
Um, I don't think it's going to affect many people, but if you go for the uh, SATA SSD, the actual two and a half inch, um, you tend to want to stay away from all of them because they don't trim. You cannot trim those in Linux. No, I'm as, I'm an as, NVMe as right now. Right now. So on NVMe, just stay away from 970 and you'll be fine. The one terabyte 970 specifically was the one, but I suspect we might see those chips pop up in uh, others as well. So maybe 980 and you could stick with Samsung. But I'm thinking of going crucial SSD, one TB. Stay away from the P2 then, because they got caught in the same thing. So don't buy a P2 and you'll probably be fine. Okay. And RAM also, I'm thinking Crucial itself. Uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with their RAM. I like Crucial. Uh, they're pretty good. I'm a G-Scale guy myself, though. So uh, I tend to just gravitate that way because I know the name. Yeah, I've used Crucial RAM in the past and it's fine. It's good stuff. Oh, yeah. Their ballistics line is fantastic. It's good. And uh, one more thing, like now I have to set up Ubuntu Mate for further use for the next two weeks. That's it. Yep. Well, it'll be nice and stable for you. All right. Well, Norbert, what about you? What have you been up to these past couple of weeks? Well, my mind has mostly been filled with stuff about uh, going back to university. Uh, One part of me, it was really glad that we are finally going back to in-person classes because uh, the dean of the faculty where I'm learning at is an immunologist. So way back last year, he he even even before anything started, at the end of August, he announced that everything will be held online. All classes, even practical classes, all exams and everything. And it was kind of disorienting, both the way the classes were held and both for me, because I found it kind of demotivating to not have in-person classes. So I actually, one one part of me is actually really glad to finally have in-person classes. The other half finds himself very disorganized and disoriented because uh, I'm in the middle of my master's. And that makes it, I mean, that makes it really difficult because I'm on the other side of that. So, I mean, I teach those classes and yeah, it was just one day in March and it was, hey, everybody, uh, go home (laughs) and stay there and don't come back. And, uh, you know, all your classes, yeah, they're online now. So, you know, make the best of it. So, yeah, I mean, luckily for us, it was a fairly easy transition because most of our stuff was already online. But, um, yeah, the human interaction, it, it there's nothing that can replace that. So I can totally see why it's exciting to get to go back and finally talk to someone to their face, you know, mask or maybe no mask. I don't know. But the, just the fact that uh, that contact, that contact is really important. Yeah, on the Linux front, I've been experimenting with the uh... I've actually installed Debian testing, so Debian Bookworm, on an external SSD, which if someone is watching the video recording, you can see it on my uh, camera feed. Uh, this was actually the main way I was dual booting Linux with Windows before I got a second uh, internal SSD, and it was surprisingly good, because I just got an M.2 SSD, and I ordered a one of these uh, aluminum cases for it. It's a USB 3.0. 3.1 case, I think. And uh, while I was running uh, various distros off, off of it, I didn't really notice any of them being slower than them than if I was running them on an internal SSD. So since I got an internal SSD, I, I decided to use it for mainly data storage. And I have to say, I decided to format to XFAT, which is great, great because the thing about M.2 SSDs is that they don't really need that, that much power. And since it's now XFAT, even my Android phone can recognize it. So here I have a wow. 480 gigabyte uh, external drive and I I can use it to move files between my computer and my phone because both of them just uh, handle, handle it, like it like it's a USB drive. 
Well, that's a really good reason to have a Linux-based phone, right? That's yeah. fantastic. Yeah, and uh, I decided to put Debian on it, so I have one uh, portable distro installation right now because I wanted to have a system that I can move between my uh, desktop PC and my laptop, and uh, it's actually very convenient because... That is awesome. I'd, I'd love the idea of having the uh, having an external drive with uh, an operating system on it so that, I mean, if you're in a situation where you don't have your own machine, you might be able to sneak it into somebody else's. <laughs> It's actually very convenient, but one thing I have to look out for is not to unplug it while the OS is running off of it. I actually done that two times yesterday by mistake, and uh, everything everything just everything just went blank, black, and there was a bunch of error messages in the TTY. So yeah, and I chose to put Debian testing on it with uh, the uh, with the Apache desktop because I haven't really used any of those long term, and I wanted to test them out. And I also came up with a, I mean. And I also came up with a very bad pun in my language Hungarian because uh, the ver- our word for pocket is Jeb, and now the host name of this installation is Jebian instead of Debian. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I came up with this joke, I think, half a year ago, and I've been meaning to uh, put it onto work in an actual installation. And uh, I, I also decided to go with Debian because I want to use this installation for uh, for doing my thesis work on the university, and I want to have something that's both stable. I mean, even Debian testing is more stable than people tend to say. Speaking of Debian, uh, I just did an update today and GNOME 40 finally landed in the Debian testing repos, which is nice because, yeah. Cool. Which is nice because I have a two-in-one laptop with a touchscreen and the main reason I really like GNOME uh, are the new touchpad and touchscreen gestures you can do on it. And now I tried to do them and I was disappointed because they didn't work and I realized I'm on budget. Well, that's that's why uh, I was so, um, I guess, excited for Hot Corners being part of GNOME 41. Uh, It's just built in now. Because when you have a mouse, you can't do those gestures. You have to use Hot Corners to emulate those gestures. But um, yeah, on a laptop or on a 2-in-1 or something like that, those gestures are fantastic. Fantastic news. Fantastic news. Now expect Ubuntu to push up. Yay! I hope so. We'll see how that goes. Speaking of which, I have two more uh, stories I want to share about uh, GNOME and these touchpad and touchscreen gestures. Uh, a couple of months ago, I got uh, a second-hand Microsoft Surface Pro 3 tablet, and I, my first thing was installing uh, Arch on it, because at that time, I think Arch was only the, one of the few distros that have uh, that had uh, GNOME 14 in their repos, and I've been trying to make it work without a keyboard. And as far as I know, GNOME is currently the only DE that has a built-in on-screen keyboard. By default, I might be wrong. If anyone knows another one, please tell me. Well, I know Linux Mint has an on-screen keyboard. Mm -hmm. Also, I had to realize that if you want to use a touchscreen device of any sort, uh, going with Wayland session will give you a way easier time of using an individual throw because it just handles touch uh, gestures and touchscreens much better. I did notice that uh, on Fedora when I was testing out GNOME 40, that Wayland did seem to, to accept those gestures more readily than, than Xorg did. Um, so yeah, I think it's, it's just, that's way, that's the way it's going to go. Yeah, I don't, I don't know about gestures with uh, Fedora, but I do know, remember that when I had Fedora installed, installed on a tablet that I did have to um, manually install an on-screen keyboard. Oh, okay. So, yeah, minimal. Speaking of Fedora, it was the third thing I uh, it was the third thing I wanted to mention because I've also been trying to get Wayland to work 
uh, on my NVIDIA GPU in my desktop. And uh, I installed NVIDIA 34 with the net installer. I installed the NVIDIA property drivers, the 471s, and I did a reboot and I was expecting it to default to Xorg, but it did not. I was still on so Wayland. It supports, it seems supports, it's, oh, wow, Yeah, because cool. the thing about GNOME and uh, I think most Linux distros is that whenever they sense an NVIDIA GPU and the NVIDIA property drivers, they just turn off any sort of NVIDIA, so, uh, sorry. Right, yeah, for safety, yeah. right, yeah. And every, everything about Wayland just disappears. And I think Fedora was the first time when I could actually log into a Wayland session on NVIDIA property drivers without having to tweak anything, which is right because one thing that pains me about GNOME is that if you use an XOR session, then on GNOME 40, you cannot use uh, the built-in touchpad gestures, which is, I think it's kind of a shame because I think GNOME 40 was mainly designed for touchscreens and touchpad laptops, multi-touch touchpad laptops. There was a huge focus on that, yeah. If we get to the point where anyone can, with the proprietary NVIDIA drivers, run a valent session on Fedora without any problems, I think that will be the point when Fedora will become my go-to recommendation for anyone who wants to put Linux on their laptop. Wow. All right. Cool. Well, I think we're going to have to do a whole show just dedicated to that uh, Surface and the install <laughs> process and how well Linux runs on there. Yes. I also want to hear your process on uh, how to install Debian on the external drive. So sounds like and, we've got shows queued up. <laughs> uh, I kind of have to disappoint you because... Both of those were kind of straightforward. I mean, the uh, surprising thing about the first Surface tablet was is that you can just go into the BIOS settings and disable circuit, circuit boot. And from yeah, now and right. from then on, you just plug in the USB drive and install any distro like you would. Nice. Which is a lot easier than a lot of the older methods. But um, I, I also want to know if there were any uh, pitfalls because a lot of tablets have issues with either the touchscreen or the audio uh, out of the gate. The GNOME shell sometimes just stops responding to any sort of input. No, you can I'm turn not... it into a show. We'll, we'll let you run that show. Which yeah, is something sure. I never experienced <laughs> when using a mouse or a touchpad, but yeah. on a touch screen, sometimes it just breaks. Mm. Also, right. well, for a long time, uh, there has been a big issue with uh, putting the tablet to sleep mode with Linux installed, I mean, specifically Surface tablets. But now, even with the regular kernel, without installing this Surface-specific community ker uh, kernel, I think wow. it, it, it handles uh, suspense, suspending. It's not just the uh, Surface, because some of the, the Dell laptops also have a lot of trouble with sleep mode, and so you have to use uh, some type of hybrid mode or something like that. But uh, let, let, let's have a show on it. Definitely. Before the show, you also mentioned... Uh, putting Linux uh, onto some ARM-based uh, Dell tablets. I think you said that. I would be really interested to hear about those. Because that my main problem is the Surface Pro 3 is that uh, the fans spin up quite often and they are really loud. And uh, I know for, uh, from the Surface Pro 5 on, they actually have uh, passive cooling. So I might, I should look into those, but I would really like to have uh, an ARM-based Linux tablet with GNOME shell, yeah. Because... Uh, that would be per that would be my, my perfect device for consuming and watching mm -hmm. media. I can see that. Well, check out some of the devices that have uh, Intel M processors. Okay. So, Josh, sorry, I should refer to you as Josh the Third, Your Majesty. <laughs> what have you been up to this past year? I almost said years. Well, I could say years because this is your first wanderings. 
as well. Yeah, it sure is. So I actually just bought a new microphone for this, a Samsung uh, Q2U. Yes, and, uh, yes. Yeah. So if if you notice, that's going to be my wanderings too. That's that's what this is right now. Excellent. Well, I don't want to steal your thunder, Leo. So uh, I'll just no, you, uh, you say have that I've been. The show is about you. You take it. <laughs> no. Uh, well, I've been happy with it. I'll just say that it seems like it's uh, doing the job anyway. Um, aside from that, I got to deal with the aftermath of the T-Mobile data breach. So unfortunately, I was among the many, many users that were affected by a very severe breach that included names, driver's license, social security numbers, basically everything anyone would need to uh, uh, yeah, impersonate you. Yeah. Impersonate you, right? Mm-hmm. Get your identity. So um, what I decided to do was to just freeze all of my credit with the three major uh, credit reporting agencies in Equifax, Experian, and TransUnion. And two smaller ones in Innovus and the National Consumer Telecommunications and Utilities Exchange. And also froze check systems so no one can open a bank account under my name. So, Jeez. Yeah, it was a little bit of a rigmarole and it's unfortunate you'd think a giant telecommunications company like T-Mobile could uh, maybe do a little better on their security end because I believe this is... It, it's not a matter of if anymore. It's just a matter of when. And the, the, the real downside to that is that how much work did you have to do? And anybody else, which was there was tons of people that were affected by this, had to do the exact same thing. How many hours of research and work does it take to do that for an individual? And then just multiply that by however many customers that was, what, 100,000, 200,000, something like that. I mean, some insane number of, right. of work. I mean, yeah, it's it's terrible. I believe con- countries should now invest more in cyber warfare and cyber security. Yep. Yeah. So, aside from that, uh, perhaps to deal with that stress a little, I'm getting my motorcycle ready for the autumn riding season. Um, just got some new mirrors in for it, and that was the lo- last component I was looking for. Uh, so, those came in from Flea Bay. And I will be putting those on this weekend and hopefully get out and uh, relieving a little of that tension from said stresses. So excited for that. Sounds cool. Yeah. And my final thing that I did and about the only thing Linux related was I replaced Manjaro KDE with Debian 11 stable XFCE as my secondary OS. So Mint, of course, is uh, my primary. And... um yeah, that was pretty straightforward as it usually is with Debian, and as always, completely rock solid and uh, very happy with it so far. Uh, first time I'm using Debian with Flatpak as well to extend the functionality a bit, and uh, it's been going really well. Yeah, that's the way that um, when I was testing it a little bit, uh, what is a couple Saturdays ago, a couple Saturday shows ago. Um, that was my recommendation. I mean, Debian will be fine right now, for now, if you just install everything via Deb. But if you, uh, in the next six months or so, you'll probably want an update of something. And Flatpak's the escape hatch. It seems to give you any of that uh, GUI-based software anyway, um, get you the latest and greatest and keep Debian 11 underneath and have the latest and greatest software. It's good stuff. Absolutely. That's about all I have. So uh, what have you been up to, Tony? Well... Welcoming you guys is one thing. Yeah. Welcome all three Thanks. of you. Um, yeah, it's been interesting. To <laughs> I remember three just 
just under three years ago when it was me that was the new guy. <laughs> it was rather strange, so uh, welcome the three of you. As I've talked about on previous shows, uh, I've been doing a lot of walking recently and uh, doing w- virtual walking challenges. And the company that I've been doing them with decided to break a world record, which was uh, my little comment at the beginning of the yeah. show. Uh, and me and me and my wife signed up for a 5k walk virtually, and it was uh, to try and get the most number of people to do a, a 5k. You you walk 5k, record it on some kind of app like um, oh uh, your Fitbit or your Garmin watch or uh, one of the uh, phone apps that can record your your activities. Hey, you, you forgot the Apple Watch, walk- Tony. Oh, the <laughs> Apple Watch. We use um, uh, Strava to do it, and so we updated our evidence and. This week, we both got our uh, notification that we were part of uh, breaking the world record. Woo! So I've got a little certificate on my wall that says I'm a record breaker. That's Yay! awesome. Congratulations on that. It is. Cool. Congrats. Cheers. So how long have you been banned um, from the record store? How long have you been banned from the record store? <laughs> <laughs> Stop breaking things, Tony. Stop it. Yeah, breaking all those records. Um, I've also been uh, foraging... F- fruit from the hedgerows and i've been making jams and stuff so that's good got some free apples off my neighbor and made some elderberry and apple jam and i've been playing around with my little models as usual and been doing a bit of that so you're really just back in the swing of things then yeah i'm getting back in the swing of things i'm actually feeling a bit better but as far as linux goes as everyone probably knows 99.8 uh, percent of my PC use is uh, Linux because it's my daily driver. I I do drop into Windows 10 very occasionally if I want to print a document out that, on my color printer, and that's the only thing at the moment I use it for. Uh, and I did that because I printed my wife's certificate out in color. I haven't Ooh, done mine fancy. yet in color. Yeah, else. Uh, but the machine that that's on, it's a little Dell 7250, a little 12-inch Ultrabook, and it's got Windows 10 and Susie Tumbleweed on it. So uh, it was a few weeks ago since I last up, uh, updated either of the systems. So I updated Windows first, got that updated. That took about an hour, an hour and a half, and then updated Tumbleweed, and it took about 20 minutes. <laughs> and you know what? The funny thing about Tumbleweed is is uh, those updates are, I mean, the whole system. It's, it's a full distro. It's a full distro. But yet still 20 minutes. Yeah. Ah, yeah, it's good. It's good stuff. 20, 25 yeah. minutes, and it was done Jeez. and dusted. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, I was quite chuffed with that. And then tonight, just before the show, I decided to stick a one terabyte uh, hard drive in my laptop, my Dell uh, 7440. I've got two of them. I've got an i5 and an i7, and the i7 is the one I use on a daily basis. Uh, The other one actually has got dual boot with Windows on it, I think. So um, I, I took out the other hard drive stuck the one terabyte in i actually downloaded the iso for mint uh mint uh, 20.2 uh, mate downloaded the iso burnt it to a usb key did the 
installed, transferred all the data, updated it, put the 5.11 kernel in, and it took just over an hour to do the whole lot. (laughs) Now, try doing that with Windows with a fresh install. (laughs) I have done... I have done Windows installation, installed to ready for gaming in about the same time as Mint, which Tony wow. said. Huh. I, I, I figure I would still be at the, uh, we're getting things ready for you stage for a while. <laughs> I've never done it that quick. <laughs> no, because uh, I have the backup of the installers on my hard disk drive. So it helps a lot after install. Oh, god! Yeah, but do, yeah, but doing a doing a complete uh, fresh install, you can boot and do a fresh install, and it can take two hours for all the updates yeah. to come down. Once you've even even with a new ISO image, it can take a couple it of hours can. to get all the updates. Yes, updates installed. installing is fine. I'm talking about clean, like from scratch without any updates. Yeah, installing. Yeah, I'm I'm talking about that was including all the updates and updating the kernel. Oh, one hour. <laughs> so for the Linux Mint, one hour. For, and that, no, for 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 yeah, it's about three hours to do exactly the same thing. At least. For Windows for Windows it is three hours. And then you switch it on the next day and it wants even yeah. more updates. Hey, we, we missed these first time around, so uh, here's about 12 more. Yeah, we forgot about these ones. We didn't quite <laughs> catch them. So, yeah, that's what I've been doing. So what about you, Leah? Two new things. I'm so excited. So, number one, uh, on uh, on the back of Josh's comment, I'm on a Samsung Q2U as well. So what I wanted to do was, um, well, so here's the deal. Here's why I bought it. Uh, for two reasons. Number one, I needed a new microphone for my other machine, my desktop. Um, it's in a much wider room, so it has to be dynamic. Anything um, compress compressor mic is just going to sound terrible because the, the acoustics in that room is just not great. So I needed a dynamic. I had an XM8500 um, a while, for a while, but it's way too muddy. So, I mean, everything sounds very muffled and you just can't make it sound any better. So this was a response to that. Uh, same type of mic, same shape, same everything just about, but it, uh, it is a much higher quality. So hopefully you'll get to hear that in the show, but I also wanted to try it. I wanted to actually field test it and see whether or not uh, it's actually going to work out for me or not. And I think uh, I did a couple of test recordings, and I'm doing today, uh, I did our Saturday show with it, or not not the Saturday show, just our Saturday meeting yesterday with it, and everything seems to be good. Everything is great. The best part about this mic is that it's got both outputs, or both, uh, I get inputs, outputs, whatever. It's got XLR, and USB, and you can use them both at the same time. Check it. Here's why I did it. I can have the XLR hooked up into my Focusrite Scarlet Solo into my Linux box the whole time. And for work, I like to use good microphones. It's just nice to other people, if, especially if you already have the hardware. So I use the USB connector and connect that up to my Mac for work, and I split them. I could quite literally record what I'm sending to students on my Mac on my Linux box at the same time. So that's it's just fantastic that you can do both at the same time. That is killer. It's a killer feature. So if I ever need, if I ever go traveling again and I still need to record something, I can take this microphone with me, but I do not have to take my audio interface as well, making uh making it as good 
as like a little travel, uh, those little micro snowballs. They're real, real small. Uh, but you don't have to build a pillow fort to put the microphone in so it doesn't sound terrible. So I really appreciate this mic. It is super duper versatile. It sounds pretty good. I think my pod mic does sound better, but my pod mic really does pick up a whole lot more of the highs. And if you haven't noticed, um, the sibilance, my sibilance, and you can hear it in that word, I'm sure, um, is pretty harsh. It can be pretty harsh sometimes. So I've got to get a DSer after me. Um, and I know Owen tends to do that as well, but he does some other effects that kind of calm that down too. But this mic seems to bring that back just a little bit. So I love the mic. The mic is fantastic. If you need one, it's a, it's a fairly decent price, about 60 bucks, uh, us to get, to get your hands on this, but it's fantastic for this kind of application. It's about 90 bucks <gasps> over here. I've just checked it on either. On, e, uh, on Amazon. Okay, technically, it's probably closer uh, to 70 75 with taxes and everything else. Ours, ours, our prices never include tax. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we, uh, that, that price, I've got it down as 68 quid, including all taxes, which probably works out around about Yeah, that's not too terribly bad, especially for what you get with this mic. So, I mean, I I would recommend it to anybody getting started uh, with podcasting or anything like that. So, um, yeah, if if you're in the market for one and you've got a limited budget, but, you know, not a tiny budget, the Samsung Q2U would be fantastic for you. Uh, It is $390 US with import fees. Oh, we've got to find a way around that. <laughs> so the other thing that I got my hands on was uh, Keychron K3. So speaking of work, I was talking to a few people that um, enjoy keyboards. Not they just they can't stand the you know the Dell default issued crap ones. Um, I don't know you know to, to anybody that likes those you're you're, you're fine. But uh, I'm a mechanical guy. I really enjoy mechanical keyboards. Um, especially linear keys, and I can get that in the Keychron K3. So this is a low-profile one. It's like halfway in between a full-size keyboard and those super-duper flat white Mac ones. It's right in the middle. Very nice. Um, I went with the Gatoron red switches, and oh my goodness, it's like typing on clouds. And you, uh, it's very, it's very quiet. That's my number one thing, Joe. To your, um, I'm, I'm sure to your chagrin, it's not blues. So you can't hear them five rooms over. You can't. You can barely hear them three feet over. It's fantastic. I your love keyboard this keyboard. Is meant to be heard. No, your keyboard is meant to be experienced, and that doesn't include ears. <laughs> By the people next door. Ah, <laughs> uh, no, that just makes them want to choke you out, man. Uh, it makes, I'm okay I, I don't with know. This. I, I, that's just my thing. It's I cannot better stand that loud, way. loud keyboards. It maybe so, right? Keeps them on their toes. And but, Leo, uh, is that a Goku t-shirt? It is. Well, te- technically, it's a Master Roshi t-shirt. This is um, this is uh, it's, it means turtle, but it's the it's the turtle group that Master Roshi headed up. So Goku and Krillin and Yamcha and Tien and everybody went through that school turtle school. Um, but yeah, that, that's yeah, that's what that is. All right. Well, that's pretty much it. I really enjoy these two pieces of hardware. The Samsung QTU is fantastic. The Keychron K3 is fantastic. I'm going to buy another one. I have to. I'm going to throw away all my keyboards, sell them, get rid of them, and then buy another Keychron K3, and that'll just be the only keyboard I own anymore. It's 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 that good. I love it. But, um, yeah, I guess that means we've gone through everybody. Well, that means uh, we've come to the end of the show. 
right. So next episode will be recorded Sunday, the 3rd of October. And the next live stream will be September, Saturday, September the 25th at 2 p.m. U.S. Central Time. Everything's at 2 p.m. Everything is at 2 p.m. U.S. Central Time. Uh, but if you need, you can click on the links in the website to get that converted over to your time zone. Um, now that we're all over the world, uh, that link is going to be really, really important. And uh, don't forget, uh, next episode, as far as I can tell, is going to be my last. 371 will be the last episode that I host. Yay! Uh, mm, mm. We'll 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 cross that bridge when we get there. Oh, what's All Tony right. gonna do when I'm sick? He's gonna have to host. Josh is gonna host. Oh, help! <laughs> Might not be a live stream oh, that night <laughs> unless I can work it out. <laughs> well, besides all of that, we'll get it figured out. But until then, Joe, where can we get more of you? Uh, you can catch me on a couple other podcasts. I'm on the Linux Link Tech Show, which. You can find at tllts.org. I'm also on the Linux Lugcast, which you can find at linuxlugcast.com. You can send me a message on MeWe, or you can send me an email, jb at mintcast.org. I've also added a Kofi. So if you want to buy me a coffee, please, you know, click on click on the link in the show notes and buy me a coffee. Yay! Bo's not here this time around, but undercastnetwork.com for all of his shows, as well as Undercast Collective on YouTube. Tony, what about you? Yeah, you can find me uh, on Hacker Public Radio. I'm host ID 338. If you want to go and listen to some of my old shows on there, I'm on Twitter at TonyH1212. I'm th at mintcast.org and distrohoppersdigest at gmail.com. Very cool. And the other Josh, Josh Hawk, uh, you can get him at joshontech at mintcast.org, at joshontech on Twitter and pretty much everywhere else. And, of course, check out the Mintcast spinoff Crowbar Kernel Panic for all of your gaming uh, conversation. Norbert, what about you? Well, if we have, if you'll have our Mintcast email addresses set up by... By the time this episode comes out, then it's probably Norbert at minkes.org. Uh, sorry, com. Is it com? Org. It's no, com. you're right. It's org. Uh, okay. So Norbert, yeah, Norbert at mintcast.org will be the email. If you're watching the live stream and you try to send him an email in the next 24 hours, it will probably bounce. But um, yeah, by the by the time the show airs technically, which will be on a Tuesday night, Wednesday morning, somewhere in there in the U.S., um, that email should be there. So if you're listening to this in your podcast catcher, go ahead and send him an email. And I don't really have any uh, social media where I post in English, but if by any chance there are some Hungarian-speaking people in the audience, van YouTube csatornám, Valrusz néven, Duplavével, mint a Rosmárcsok Magyar Eszel. And then you can... Uh, every, all of the videos are in Hungarian. I, I do plan to... Uh, start an English version of my channel at some point. Uh, I mainly do uh, educational videos about biology and stuff. So that might happen sometime in the next year or so. This right here is why we need the babblefish. That way I yep. can uh, yep. I can understand everything from every language all the time. Yeah, I, I could be sharing uh, <laughs> I could be sharing state secrets and you wouldn't know. Wouldn't have any clue. Nope. <laughs> and Josh, what about you? Uh, at metal underscore foss on Twitter for now. That awesome. is the best video name I ever heard. <laughs> oh, yeah, that one's good. Nishant, what about you? Okay, so my email address, is, my current temp email address is indianmincasthost at gmail.com. 
it is uh, recon.ghost on GitHub if you want to collaborate on a project, open source project. Uh, Maverick0078, sorry, Maverick0073 on Steam if you want to play games. Again, similar username, uh, recon.ghost on Instagram if you want to follow for travel pics. And that's about it. And and it is Nishan Mishra on Facebook if you want to connect and collaborate. And on top of that, don't forget, um, Nishan mentioned Discord. Uh, Norbert and Josh are also on Discord, so you can send all of your negative feedback directly to them on Discord. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, appreciate that, Leo. I'm also in there. Of course. That, <laughs> all the negative feedback will be coming from me anyway. It's, it's fine. I, I know where to find you. So um, as for me, uh, leochavez.org and at leochavez on Twitter. Uh, if you're doing the Mastodon thing, I think I'm going to try and uh, do a little cross-posting. So at leo at c.im on Mastodon. Uh, but of course, if um, if you want to hear more of me after I leave the show after two, three, three, three seventy one, uh, you can find me over at linuxuserspace.show. But before we leave, we want to make sure to acknowledge some of the people who make Mintcast possible. Owen Peary for our audio production. Josh Lowe for all of his work on the website. Hobstar for our logo. InitRD for the animated Discord logo. And Londoner for our time sync. Bitemark Hosting for hosting Mintcast.org and our Mumble server. Archive.org for hosting our audio files. And uh, the Linux Mint development team, of course, for the fine distro we love to talk about every fortnight. Thanks, Clem. Thanks, Clem. Thanks, Clem. Thanks, Clem. This has been another episode of the Mintcast podcast. The show notes for this episode are at mintcast.org. You can send us email at mintcast at mintcast.org. You can find more information about Linux Mint at www.linuxmint.com. You can follow both Mintcast and Linux Mint on Twitter, at Mintcast and at Linux underscore Mint. Thanks to Mark Blasco at podcastthemes.com for our theme music. And thanks for listening to this episode of The So, anybody quitting? <laughs> yes. Yes.